Welcome to this BJSM podcast and I hope you're following on from a previous chat with Adam Weir. This particular one is about the first World Congress on groin pain in athletes and Adam was the chair of the organising committee and played a massive role in pulling together the issue which has nine systematic reviews and the actual Doha Agreement meeting document. Adam, tell us about the background to pulling the folks together and whether we should trust you and your colleagues in what you say about management of groin pain. Thanks, Karim. The, the background to the meeting, why, why hold a meeting like this in the first place, was because as clinicians we identified that there was a lot of confusion in the field of groin pain in athletes. And in fact, the two cases that we've discussed this morning talking about the clinical aspects, we sent them to a group of 23 different experts from different backgrounds And interestingly, for the first case, the inguinal-related groin pain, we received 22 different diagnostic terms back from the 23 experts. And for the second case, the adductor-related groin pain, we received 18 different terms used to describe the diagnosis from 23 different experts. So in my mind, that was a real surefire way to show the need to, to hold a meeting like this. So... We plan to hold the first conference on groin pain in athletes, which we hosted here in Aspire Aspital Hospital in November of 2014. At the conference, we had 300 participants to the conference. And before the conference started, we commissioned a series of systematic reviews. The idea of the reviews is to give us basically a good overview of the current field of play with regard to groin pain in athletes and they're all presented in the special edition of the BGSM this June edition. We go into uh, risk factors, prevention, treatment, imaging, the role of the hip. So I think we have a, a broad coverage there and at the same time we prepared a group of experts to come together and have a meeting to see if we could agree on terminology and definitions in the field. The aim of the meeting was to have people from a wide variety of backgrounds and many different geographical regions. We were able to get six sports physicians, five sports physiotherapists, general surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, and the radiologists to agree to participate. And we held the meeting on the 4th of November the day after the first World Conference here in Aspatar. And what did the group achieve? We had a very successful meeting on the day itself and we agreed as a group on a set of definitions and terminology that we can use to describe the diagnosis in groin pain in athletes. It's a clinically based system. So in broad terms, we have defined clinical entities adductor-related groin pain, inguinal-related groin pain, iliopsoas-related groin pain, and pubic-related groin pain. You can find descriptions of these along with a very nice figure to show these in a graphic way in the article, which is open access. Give us the brief summary of each of those four entities. They are critical. Adductor-related groin pain is defined as tenderness on the adductors, and pain on resisted adduction testing. Inguinal-related groin pain is defined as tenderness 
of the inguinal canal and pain felt in the inguinal region. This is more likely if there's pain on valsalva maneuver, coughing or sneezing, or pain on resisted abdominal muscle testing, and there should be no inguinal hernia present on palpation of the inguinal canal. Iliopsoas-related groin pain is defined as tenderness of the iliopsoas and is more likely if there's pain on resisted hip flexor testing or pain on resisted hip flexor stretching. And pubic-related groin pain is defined as pain on palpation of the symphysis joint and the immediately adjacent bone. And for pubic-related groin pain, we were unable to define a specific resistance test to specify this one further. And how do you palpate the iliopsoas? The iliopsoas can be palpated above the level of the inguinal ligament. So there you need to get your athlete to lie down, relax the abdominal wall, and apply pressure until you get your fingers down to the iliopsoas. At that point, you can ask them to raise their leg do like a small active straight leg raise, which will tense up the psoas, and you can palpate there the psoas on the, on the front of the vertebral bodies and see if this will reproduce their pain. Below the level of the inguinal ligaments, you can palpate the iliopsoas at its insertion on the trochanter minor. And again, here it can be useful to get the athlete to raise their leg just off the bed so that you can find the soft spot just above the trochanter minor and put your fingers down onto the distal iliopsoas tendon. So in addition to the agreement on the defined clinical entities? We also discussed hip-related groin pain. This is an important topic because it's definitely one of the, the hot topics in sports medicine at the moment. With regard to the hip, the literature at this point in time would suggest that hip special testing is good at ruling out pathology but not so good at ruling in pathology. So this means that we can use range of motion testing, the Faber test, the hip impingement or FADIA test. And if these tests are negative, this will increase our clinical confidence that the hip is not part of the, the source of the groin pain in an athlete. But if they're positive, then they, this is not proving in any way that the hip is definitely the source, but it should raise our index of clinical suspicion so with regard to the hip, we didn't specify any specific tests, but I think you have to use your clinical judgment as to where you feel the pain is coming from. And if the hip special tests are positive, give consideration to the possible role of further imaging. Along with the four defined clinical entities and hip-related groin pain in athletes, we also discussed other causes of groin pain in athletes. I think as we all know, the groin contains numerous different organ systems, numerous anatomical structures, and at various points in time, these could all give rise to groin pain. And we shouldn't ever forget this as clinicians assessing and treating athletes with groin pain. I don't want to bore you with the, the multiple different differential diagnoses that are out there, but we summarize these in a table that's available in the article. Now, the devil's advocates will say that these aren't diagnoses. It's a very fair comment and something that we've thought about as a group. I think it's, it's completely true that we don't know what the underlying tissue pathology is when we use these terms to describe a diagnosis. All 
we've attempted to achieve by having an agreement on this is to create a common language to allow clinicians to communicate with each other clearly and effectively. And for me, that's the important next step that we need to take the field to in the future to go on to establish the role, for example, of imaging. Can an MRI that shows as a tendinopathy or a cleft tell us more about the prognosis or the right choice of treatment? So please don't interpret this meeting as an attempt to say we've solved the problem. No, we haven't. But I think it establishes a framework to allow us to move the field forward in the future. There's certainly room for others to add on and to contact you, for example, and to discuss how to move this difficult area forward. Let's finish by listing some helpful resources for listeners. I think obviously we have the issue itself, the, the issue 12, the June edition of this year, uh, as we mentioned before, and thanks to Aspatar, many of the articles are open access, so they're free resources, and I would encourage you to go there and look at that. Aspatar also has a fantastic YouTube channel. We've posted on the channel under the playlist section the presentations given at the conferences we held, the first World Com Conference and also the previous two conferences before that were filmed and are online as a free resource. Um, we discussed briefly, for example, the role of the hip. We have Mark Philippon, we have Damian Griffin discussing FAI and athletes on that YouTube channel. Now the agreement meeting article has been published. I've made a set of slides on PowerPoint showing the different defined clinical entities. And these will be on the BJSM education part of the site. The very nice figure illustrating the four defined clinical entities we can share that as well, I think, via the BGSM and provide a link from the podcast to that figure. Thanks, Adam. Thanks a lot for your time, and we'll leave it there. People can follow you on Twitter at Adam Weir Sports, one word. And for BJSM, you can catch us on our various channels, including Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and YouTube. A handy way to get to us is through the mobile app, which is easy to download for both Apple and Android. This leaves me to say thanks for listening to this BJSM podcast, and I hope you have the opportunity to make your day an active one. 